Good morning, all. How's everybody doing today? Can't tell if you're, uh, you know, a little laid back this morning, or uh, certainly we're a little, little late arriving. Some of you. Uh, <coughs> you, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. Uh, be turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, like I said earlier, we're starting out with this new uh, series uh, of lessons that we're going to do, about seven lessons, on distraction, or really, probably more adequately put, uh, how to make sure we have traction in our life, and uh, to get traction when you've lost traction. And uh, today's title is uh, Storms of Life. So how to have traction, how to get traction uh, when things go bad or difficult uh, in your life. And this is, I think this is going to be a really uh, fun study for us this morning. So hopefully you've got your Bibles with you and you're ready to wear them out because we're going to be moving around them. And I want to hear uh, pages going. And if you are texting, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Uh, if you are reading your email, I am un- unhappy with you. Uh, I realize I can't control what's going on with those phones, but uh, you can. Uh, so... Trust that I do not know, but the Lord does. He sees all that we do. You in Matthew 14? Okay, going to begin reading in verse 22. This is a great story about Peter uh, going through a distraction. And we see how he has things going in his life, and then all of a sudden, man, in, in the midst of being uh, uh, you know, focused, he gets distracted. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he himself went up to the mountainside to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So you understand, the fourth watch is deep into the night. So this is long into the night. The disciples saw Him walking on the lake and they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it's it's I. Don't be afraid. (laughs) Here's Peter. You know, Peter shows up in this story. Lord, if it's you... Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Now, if we stop this story right now, we got a man right here who is totally focused. <laughs> we got a man that has total traction in life and things are going wonderful, right? You ever been there? A moment in your life where I, you got all the ducks in a row. Everything looks good. You're like, man, I'm pretty good. But look what happens. Look what happens. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little doubt, or little faith. Why did you doubt? Here's the thing that I really want to spend the first part of my sermon helping you to accept in your life. And I think for some of you, this is a very hard thing for you to accept. Is that everybody's life has storms. Everybody. The person to your right, the person to your left, the person who's not here. 
Everybody's life has storms. This goes a little bit with what John was talking about in the communion. By the way, I thought John did an outstanding job uh, in the communion this morning. In Psalm 73, it's so, uh, it, and I'm going to use the last part of that a little bit later in my sermon. I'm actually going to close with it. But it, it's such a great description of, man, I, I look at people around me and they, they're healthy and they're happy and they're wealthy. And, and, and what's wrong with me? Why, why is my life not like their life? And of course, we're seeing their life through a, a prism, right? We're not really getting what may be going on in their life. We're just looking at the outside and taking, uh, you know, sort of a, a, an extrapolation and we're getting there. Storms happen in everybody's life. I wrote down several things here. See if this doesn't uh, catch some of the things that you might think of as storms. Hard times. That's sort of a general term. Persecution. Death of loved ones. Sickness, money problems, more specifically, a lack of money. <laughs> Generally not a problem when you have more than you need, if you know what I'm saying. You're, you're running out of money before you're running out of month, uh, if, if you know what I'm talking about there. Right, the discussion I had with my wife this morning, you know, right after special contribution, I said, now here's where we're at right now. We don't have any money. <laughs> so we can buy something on the credit card, but we can't do anything. It has to do with the checking account until June. You are we on the same page? You know, if you're married, you have those talks, which are always so much fun. Uh, relationship problems. Problems with your parents. You know, I've got to go down uh, next, uh, not next, uh, not this Monday, but the next Monday. Uh, we're going to be moving my mother into an assisted living situation and selling the home that she's been living in. And, you know, a lot of us are reaching uh, those times. We've had several of us here in the congregation have had parents die uh, just recently. Those are difficult, you know, things, dealing with things related to our parents. Uh, difficult things related to our children. The things that our kids may be going through. You know, oftentimes as a parent, you'd rather go through a hard time than have your kids go through a hard time. It's harder to watch your kid go through something, your children, uh, and you would, if you could, you would actually say, I, I, I'd rather go through this than see my child uh, go through it and suffer in that way. School problems. Problems with our classes, trying to get through school, trying to graduate. And that's just... That's a, that's just a broad swipe, guys. We, we we could be a lot more specific about difficult things that happen to us and happen to all kinds of people around us all the time. That's not even to mention things going on in our country right now. Man, we've got more division and more difficulty, more bad feelings, unsettled feelings about our country than uh, than any time I ever ever experienced. And 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 uh, remember, and it, it's unsettling. Are the kind of things that uh, are going on and being said and, and the way people are conducting themselves. Now, in fairness, we have to say this. Sometimes when you go through a difficult time in your life, you're going through a difficult time in your life not because of something you did wrong. You're going through a difficult time in your life because somebody else is doing things wrong and having an impact on your life. Right. I was talking to my son the other day. 
And I said, son, you are learning and living through one of the hardest times of anybody's life. Why? When I did it right, do I have the wrong result? Because I look around and I see a lot of people that did it wrong. And they've got the right result. And that's a very difficult time to go through, to think through in life. Sometimes in life, we go through difficult times. We suffer at times, not because of things that we did, but because of other things that other people did that bring that kind of suffering upon us. You know, this last week, someone decided to drive their car off the street in in Times Square and, and murdered a person, killed a person. Beautiful young girl, 18 years old. And a whole bunch of other people were injured. I don't even begin to understand all the injuries that they had. These people, that person, they're not suffering because they did something wrong. They're just walking down the street. Sometimes we suffer not because of things that we do wrong, but because of things that other people do wrong that have an impact on our life. Do you understand that? Now, let's be honest about the next part of this, though. Sometimes we suffer because we do wrong. Okay? (laughs) You see, sometimes we we get infatuated with the idea that I'm suffering and it's somebody else's fault. And we, we begin to marinate ourselves in that thought. This is not my fault. And then we, we get what a lot of people have today is a victim mentality. Well, I'm a victim. Well, I'm a victim. Now, are people sometimes a victim? Yeah, we just talked about people that are victims. Those people on the sidewalk were victims. They didn't do anything wrong. And something bad happened in their life. But let me tell you something, friends. If you in your mind are often thinking that you're a victim... You better change your thinking processes. Because what you're allowing yourself to come into is taking very little responsibility for your life and blaming all of your failures on everybody else around you. You're developing a victim mentality and it's not a good place to be. That's not where you need to be. It's not where God wants you to be. Jesus actually talked about, talked about the idea of life being tough quite a lot. Look back to Matthew chapter uh, 6. This actually came up with Jesus quite a bit. This idea that life is hard and life is tough. In Matthew chapter 6, let's begin in verse 28. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching here about worrying about life. And he says in verse 28, he says, Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you or you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now listen to this. Verse 34. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, Each day has enough trouble of its own. What did Jesus say? What can you expect from each day? The possibility that there's going to be something happen that isn't easy. Each day has enough trouble 
of its own. Look over to John 16. This is the end of Jesus' life. He's talking to the disciples before He's going to go to the cross. He's trying to comfort them. He's trying to help them understand the world that they're going to be living in when He's gone. And in John 16, in verse 33, He says, I have told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. What did He say? In this world, what, what, what is he telling them? In this world, what's going to happen? You are going to have a hard time. Every one of us is going to happen in our life. Look over to the book of Acts. This actually was something that the early church taught as uh, they were going about helping people become Christians, helping these young Christians grow up as Christians and become mature. In Acts 14, in verse 21, this is on the first missionary tour that Paul and Barnabas took. And after they go around and establish these churches, now they're going back and they're speaking to these people, these young Christians, and look what he says. It says they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. This is what what they said to him. We must go through many hardships that enter the kingdom of God. So this is not just Jesus. The early church is teaching their young Christians, their young disciples, hey, you're going to have to go through difficulty in life. That is part of life. Look over to Romans 8. It's a passage that talks specifically about suffering. Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to compare with the glory that will be revealed in us. So the church in Rome that Paul is writing to, he says, I know that you are suffering. Look over to 28, verse 28, same chapter. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. He just said they were suffering. Everything that happens in your life as a child of God is not good. Is not pleasant. The gospel that people preach sometimes, that if you give your life to Jesus, you get your life right with God, your life is going to be awesome! Is not what the Scriptures teach. Matter of fact, we're reading a bunch of Scriptures right here that say quite the opposite. That your life is going to be hard whether you're a child of God or whether you're not. Being a Christian does not mean that you live some great life that doesn't involve suffering. That doesn't involve difficulty. That doesn't involve bad things happening in your life. It happens in everybody's life. Now the faithless reaction, faithless reaction... The suffering and difficulty is bitterness. The faithless reaction is bitterness. Why did this happen to me? This isn't fair. And it creates a bitter person. The faithful reaction to difficulty is a realization 
that God isn't allowing me to go through anything that I can't handle. And that these things that I'm going through will make me a better person in the end. So are you faithful? Are you faithless? Are you bitter? Or are you better? When going through difficult times in life. Here, in the next part of our time together, I'm going to give you three positive results of negative... God help you, my son. Positive results... Positive results... Of negative beginnings. Okay? Positive result of negative beginnings. Look over to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. This is Jesus speaking. Great passage. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. So, Are they feeling a little weary? Tired? Burdened? Okay? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Here's the first positive result of a negative beginning, is that you see your need for Jesus. Come to me who? Who's going to come to Jesus? Well, everybody, but specifically, who does He identify? Come to Me. You who are weary and burdened. You know, for a long time in my life, before I became a Christian, I wasn't interested. I didn't feel weary. As a matter of fact, I felt like I could whoop just about anybody I need to. I wasn't afraid of very many people. There was a few, but not many. I wasn't burdened. I can do what I want when I want to do it. I can pull it off. That kind of person doesn't become a Christian. That kind of person never comes to the Lord. Because they don't feel any need. There's no felt need in their life. Well, why should they come to Jesus? they got life on the run. You come to Jesus because you realize, listen, you're a mess. You have sinned. You have made unbelievable bad decisions in your life. You've hurt yourself and you've hurt other people around you. You are on the road to hell. Now, when that hits you, how do you feel? Whoa. You feel pretty low, don't you? Come to me all you weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. You see, the positive result of the negative beginning here is that the, the, the person who feels burdened, uh, burdened and weary is going to become a child of God more than likely. They're drawn to Jesus. Jesus is the answer to them yes. instead of the problem to them. So that, that's an incredibly positive thing, right? Yes. Is that you see your need for the Lord. So sometimes when you're feeling a little bit low, you're feeling a bit burdened, instead of being angry about that, well, why am I feeling this way? Realize... 
Maybe I'm feeling this way because I need to be being drawn to the Lord and finding strength in Him. Number two, positive result of a negative beginning of suffering is it develops your inner person. Look over to Romans 5. Romans 5. How am I doing, Emery? You're doing well. Am I getting more positive? Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have uh, gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. We rejoice in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit in whom He has given us. Positive result of a negative beginning. Suffering develops the inner person. I'm going to try something here. Hopefully this will work. (laughs) Jacob, go ahead and stand up. Jacob's our our campus minister. He's our our campus minister. We can see the outer man, right? Tell tell me what you see. What, What do you see? Yeah. He's a big guy. What else do we see? Yeah. He seems to always have a a smile on his face. Okay? What else do we see? Teenagers, what do you see? Come on, help me out down here. Come on. What do we see? Tiffany, what do you see? Very handsome man. Chris has strong, athletic. Played uh, played football at uh, uh, at Columbia in uh, in college. What's that? He moved our couch. Yes. <laughs> Pete, what do you see? Confident. Confident. Yeah, back and back. Nice hair. Not nice hair. Okay. I, I, uh, yeah, back in the back. Seems to have a nice personality, a nice way about it. Who who does? Emmett. He's young. He's young. Um, Latino, or half Latino, as it turns out, but but Latino. College students, anything to add to this? College group? You're not in the college group. College group has nothing to add to this. Okay, go ahead and sit down. Now we, we, we talked about we talked about the, the outer man, right? We made observation about what we can visually see or what we've 
experience perhaps uh, with him. And, and we said, well, he's tall, he's athletic, he's uh, got nice hair. You know, all, all these things are observations about Jacob from an outside point of view. Do we know anything about what's going on inside of him by, by, by the observations that we made about his physical person? No or very little. I mean, we, we, could, we, could, we could maybe say, well, he's, he's, he looks happy, so he is happy. But, you know, if we think about that very long, well, a lot of people look happy, but they're really not, if you know what I'm saying. We, we clearly understand the concept, and Jesus understood the concept, of the outer and inner man. You know, oftentimes Jesus would be teaching and the religious leaders would be thinking something in their heart. And Jesus would say, I know in your heart this is what you're thinking. Have you ever been, and we all have, have you ever been in a conversation with someone and the conversation's going and in your mind you've got another conversation going? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, we understand the difference between the outer and the inner man. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character, hope. You know, a lot of people in life would would like to be tougher. You know, why, why, why do I seem to quit? Why, why, why don't I seem to be able to stick it out and make it through? Why do I seem to have, you know, sort of a, a, a crybaby kind of way about me sometimes? Why am I not a more uh, 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 perseverant type person? Perseverance develops character. There's some things in life, guys, that are never going to be developed without difficulty. They're never going to get in your life unless you suffer. This is a positive result of a, of a negative beginning. Nobody wants to suffer. No one wants to go through a difficult time. No one wants to deal with an aging parent. No one wants to deal with the death of a parent. No one wants to deal with a child that's going through a hard time. But going through these things, develop the inner person. You know, the proverb writer understood that. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he says, Above all else, guard your heart! Because it is the wellspring of life. Guard that inner person! Don't let that inner person be corrupted! Don't let that inner person be destroyed. You know, some people are living outward lives and inwardly they are destroyed. They have allowed themselves to be destroyed by their own mistakes and by the mistakes of others around them. And they're still living, but they are angry. They are bitter. They are terrible to live with and be around. Why? Because they're suffering instead of being a faithful response. 
has become a faithless response and they get more and more jaded and they get more and more out of touch with reality and all they understand is their own anger. They can't see straight because they're full of bitterness and a captive to sin. The positive result of going through a difficult time is it's making you into somebody you could never become. I told my son, who's going through a very difficult time in his life, I believe that God is preparing you to do something phenomenal. And you will never do it unless you go through this first. There are people in this room right now. Your life is going to do something very important down the road. But you're going to have to suffer for the inner person, your inner man, your inner woman to be developed. The last thing of the three things here. See our need for God, number one. Develop the inner person. Number two. And third is this concept of I've got to learn to rely on God. Look over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul talks about this in a sense of what he's going through and he shares it with them and he makes the observation about himself. In in verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our trials and troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance and the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so you also share in our comfort. Now here's where it gets personal. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. He says, I don't want you not to understand what I've gone through. Isn't it great to have people you can talk to when you're going through a hard time and say, listen, I'm going through a hard time and I just need to talk. Isn't that one of the greatest blessings of the Christian life? Is having people that you know are going to be good listeners and love you enough to sort of listen to you and help you along the way. And that's what what Paul is doing. He says, I I, I want you to to know what we went through. He says, we were under great pressure. Who's feeling pressure? Any of you feeling pressure in life? Well, we can sometimes. Far beyond our ability to endure so that we we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But look what he says here. This is really, really good. But this happened. What? All this pressure. All this stuff going on in his life. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And He will deliver us. Talking about future things in life. He looks at His suffering and He says, This suffering that we've been going through, this difficult we've been going through... Is so that we will learn to, to, to rely on God. Now there's a couple of stories I want to remind you of. We're not going to turn to them because most of you know them. And if you don't know them, 
uh, if you're visiting here today, you'll sort of get what I'm talking about. In David's life, remember the story of David and Goliath. And David, David says, hey, I can kill the giant. All the other soldiers were afraid and, and said they, that they, they knew they couldn't. He, he says, hey, I can do it. And so they, they, they get him and they take him to Saul, the king. And, and the king says, why do you think you can do this? And he says, well, when I was a shepherd out with the sheep and a lion or a bear came, I killed the lion and the bear. And I can kill, if I kill a lion or a bear, I can kill that giant. And Saul says, well, hey, have at it, dude. Uh, go for it. <laughs> David's, David's mindset was, if I depend upon God, if I can kill the lion and the bear, I can kill the giant. In his mindset, this we're looking at the mindset of a guy who's depending on God. He's depending on God to help him kill the lion and the bear. If I kill the lion and the bear, I can also kill the giant. It gave him an enormous amount of confidence of what he was capable of doing. Let me tell you something that you know and you're afraid to admit in your life. And it's true of every one of us in this room. We are capable of much, much more than we do. We're capable of way more than what we do. And a big reason that we don't do more is because we're afraid. David says, I'm not afraid. God help me there and God will help me here. Okay, now the second story is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the, uh, the, uh, the uh, book of Daniel. These are the three Hebrew boys that were, were slaves there in, in a foreign country. And, and they, they were helping out with the king's work and all that. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar puts up this huge statue of himself. And, uh, and he says, okay, here's now the law of the land. The law of the land is everybody, when they hear the, the, the horns blow, everybody has to bow down and worship the statue of me. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say... But we're not going to do that. We're not going to do it. So they, they, they blow the horns and everybody gets down but them. And someone goes and tattles to them, the Nebuchadnezzar. Do people use the term tattle anymore? You know, that would make them right over your head. I don't know. Tattletale. That's what we used to call it. Some little snitch, you know, go and tell mom. That's the thing, you know. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, no, those three, those three Jew boys that you brought over here, they're not bowing down. So they brought them into Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar says, maybe you didn't understand. If you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And their response back to him is this. We believe that God will save us from the fire. But even if He doesn't, We're not bowing down to your statue. And Nebuchadnezzar was pretty mad at him, and the story goes on. But we're we're looking at their mindset. Their mindset of depending on God was not that if I depend on God, it's always going to work. See, if you just look at David, you'd say, if you depend on God, you're always going to win. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, 
Hey, we believe that God can save us from the fire, but even if He doesn't, we want you to know we're not bowing down to your, your statue. Their faith was so strong, they said, we think God can do this, but even if God doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. You see, having a faith to depend upon God doesn't mean you're depending on God because you know that everything's going to work out in your life. I'm going to depend upon God and I'm going to marry an incredible man. Ah! (laughs) Perhaps not. I'm going to depend upon God. I'm going to marry an incredibly beautiful, awesome, submissive woman. Maybe not. I'm going to put him on God, and God's going to give me the riches of Abraham. Yeah, maybe not. It's a real misunderstanding that depending upon God is that I'm going to depend upon God and God is going to always give me everything and everything's going to always turn out good for me. You see, you've got to read both the stories to get a full, a, a, a balanced understanding. Because David said, I know that because God saved me here, He's going to save me there. That was a faithful response, right? Amen? Yeah. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response here is faithful too. They said, we, we know that God can save us if He wants to. Now, as the story goes on, God did want to, and so that's awesome. But they said, even if He doesn't, even if we fry over here, we're still not going to bow down to your, 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 your statue. See, depending upon God doesn't mean that everything always works out. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. Now, these are three... Get these get things, that This is good stuff, because we're all going to suffer, right? Here's the three positive things of negative beginnings. It makes you see your need for God, number one. Number two, it develops your inner person. You may not be 6'5 and 250 and be, you know, look like Jacob. Okay? It develops your inner person. You may be 4'8", you know, and 92, but your inner person, man, you are, you, you are, you're, you're, you're Michael Jordan and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar all rolled up in one. No, the inner man, the inner woman, the inner person. Suffering develops that inner person. And third, suffering helps you learn to rely upon God. To have faith that God can do things. And even if God doesn't do that, I'm still going to believe in God. And I'm going to be there if you understand what I'm saying. Now, look back to the passage at Psalm 73, where John was earlier today. I tell you, if you don't love Psalm 73, guys, uh, you need to start. Psalm 73 is is one of those psalms that's just magnificent. It's a wonderful, wonderful passage. And John spent his time in the first part of it. I'm going to skip down to the end of it. And it fits well with what I'm saying here. Is that he's gone through this sort of storm of life of looking at the wealthy and and the beautiful and wondering why everything seems to go well for them and then coming to understand it. You know, when I went into the sanctuary, I understood their final destiny. Come on down and and, and look what he says. Um, He said in verse 21, he says, When my heart was grieved, in other words, when I was going through this time of doubt and suffering and, and trying to figure out my faith, and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant and, and a brute beast before you. He says, God, I'm sorry, man. I, I was doubting you. I was doubting your whole thing. And I, I, I feel sort of stupid right now. You ever feel that way with God? 
You know, you know, God, sorry. Uh, you know, I, I know I've told you about 10,000 times I quit doing that and I did it again. Uh, help me, God. But, you know, I'm, I'm like a senseless brute in front of you. Uh, that, that's what he says. He says, it, but I love this in verse 23. Yet I'm always with you. Yet I am always with you. And you hold me by your right hand. Or you hold me by the right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, I love this ending. Wow! But as for me, I'm not speaking for anybody else. I'm just talking about me. As for me, it's good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds. Man, what an ending to all that he shares about of his process of working through his doubts and, and fears and all that. And he, at the end, he just says, okay, but as for me, I, I, I've sort of gone through this and I've figured out who I am. i figured out what really means something to me. One of the greatest qualities that a person can have is to be really self-aware. This is who I am. When we mature as people, when we mature as Christians, we get to that point. I don't need $100,000. I don't need a new car. I don't need a new house. I don't need a new body. I'm happy... I'm happy with everything you've given me, God. You've blessed me more than I deserve to begin with. You've put up with me when I've been undependable to you and to others around. I know who I am. And I am yours. And there's nothing in this world that I want. I want to be your child. Hopefully our study today has been a good one for you to really sink. We looked at a lot of scriptures today, and I know we, we went all around the Bible. We're in the Old Testament, New Testament, and we covered a lot of stuff. But I hope today was a good study for you. God bless. Have a great week. Next week we're in Glendale.